Speak to us now, Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. This is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We stand now and come ready for your word. God, may your word find fertile ground in our hearts and minds that as we are hearers, we would be committed to being more than just hearers, but doers as well. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if we will ever fully grasp and or be able to record the impact that has been on our lives since March of 2020. I'm convinced that there are people who have been irreparably scarred, not just by physical malady, but by emotional stress and anxiety. Almost as if the whole country or a good part of it is suffering now from a kind of PTSD. And the question on the table, at least for me, is, as I've looked back over these last two and a half, three years, I've had to ask myself, what really matters in life? I've learned, like many of you, even though you may have been a reluctant student, that a lot of the stuff that I didn't think I could live without, I discovered that I just didn't want to live without it. But I discovered that I could live without it, and as a matter of fact, do pretty well without it. I've also discovered that, that I need to set some priorities in life that, that are more about my relationships with people and less about the acquiring of things. Even though some of the things that we want are well and good, I understand you want to be able to retire and you want to be able to live comfortably. And, but, but listen, these last two and a half years taught me real quick that even when you think you can live comfortably, there's a whole lot of stuff that's out of your control. And so I've had to ask myself this question, what is going to be the priority for my life and living for the rest of my days. I, I don't know how many days I have left, but I think all of us would agree if we could go back in life, we would probably do things a little differently, especially knowing what we know. I mean, can you imagine if you can go back 30 years knowing what you know today, right? What kind of different decisions you can make? Some of y'all are saying, listen, not even 30 days, give me, I mean, 30 years, give me 30 months, give, give me to take me back a little bit, you know what I mean? But here's the truth of the matter. As we who are children of God think about what our priority is going to be for life and living, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that God's priority needs to be our priority. That what God says he wants needs to be what we want, especially if we want God to bless us in our life and in our living. Uh, today, I'm going to talk again about this subject, 
and it's not a mistake. I don't have dementia or Alzheimer's. I'm not repeating myself. It's, it's not Groundhog Day, I promise, promise you. I, I want to talk today from the thought, making the main thing the only thing. Uh, I'm doing this today under the leadership of the Holy Spirit because I believe there's some of us who need to hear something more than one time in order for us to get it. And I made some adjustments, I made some shifts, I've made some changes because of some of the comments that I've gotten over the last several weeks as we've been talking about this big reset. That there's been almost this fear, this this apprehension of what it means to make a disciple. Heck, what does it mean to be a disciple? And there's some of you who have articulated things like, am I spiritual enough to be a disciple? Am I really a disciple? What, what does it mean to make a disciple? And oh my God, I'm not a preacher. How's God going to use me to disciple somebody for Jesus? And so today, I want to revisit this because I need you all to get some uh, foundational things in place if next week's message is going to really impact your life in the way that I believe God wants it to. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to know your purpose as a believer is to make disciples. Your purpose as a believer is to make disciples. I'm going to go down to verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28. The New Living Translation says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given authority, all all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, one of the problems we have in the body of Christ is that many people have different notions, ideas, and experiences about what the church is. I've been talking to several pastors around the country over the last week, and I've come to the conclusion that for the overwhelming majority of people, they don't understand what we have been doing in the church has been at best abiblical and at worst unbiblical. Abiblical in that it has nothing to do with the Bible at all. And some of what we've been doing is unbiblical in that it is in direct contradiction to what God says we ought to be doing in the word of God. Some of y'all looking at me strange. Let me put a cord in the meter and park there for a second. Some folks see the church as a social club, uh, a dating service. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I have... Uh, more mature ladies say to me, uh, Pastor, you got any eligible bachelors over there at the church? <laughs> wait a minute, wait, you, you ain't coming for Jesus? You looking for a man? I, I need a good man in my life. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. I got a good man for you, Jesus. He's <laughs> the best man you can have, you know what I mean? We're coming looking for networking and connections uh, for our businesses. We've had people in the church that we've had to have either change their mantra or leave because they were more committed to sharing uh, a pyramid scheme than they were to sharing Jesus. 
They running around here trying to recruit people for, for, for their, their, their pyramid uh, 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 financial strategy and, and Amway and all that stuff instead of talking about Jesus. We want it to be a concert hall. We, 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 we want it to be a fashion showcase. We, we, we're committed. We, we want it to be a political action committee. And while all of those things may have its place somewhere in our society, none of those things are supposed to be the priority of the church of Jesus Christ. These misconceptions, these misperceptions, these misrepresentations have resulted in many in the body of Christ still drinking milk when they should be eating meat. Here's what God says. Your purpose as a believer is to make disciples. You are to be a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples of Jesus who in turn helps other disciples make disciples. Now, now let me tell you why that's important, that we are to focus on making disciples who make disciples in order to help them make disciples. See, some of you have come into the body of Christ. You came to know Jesus as your Savior, and you became a disciple, and you was happy with Jesus alone, and you kept him by yourself. See, that, that idea of making a disciple is, is the idea of not just the dissemination of information, but the dissemination of information in order to produce life transformation. Literally, it is the integration of what we observe and what we receive in order to see a change in who we are in terms of our attitude and a change in what we do in terms of our actions. Now, now, here's what I need you to understand, because some of y'all don't, don't really believe that you are a disciple. And it's not because of your Sunday morning church attendance. It's because of your less than stellar living Monday through Saturday. You don't have to say, hey, man, I know I'm right about it. See, see, if, see if discipleship was just determined by coming on Sunday, you'd be like, oh, man, yeah, I'm a disciple. But then we start talking about how you live. You'd be like, oh, no, no, I ain't no disciple. Don't put that on me. I just come to church. Let, let me tell you some things that a disciple is not required to do. It would be nice. But you don't have to have read the whole Bible front to back from Genesis to Revelation to be a disciple. You don't have to be a spiritual superman or superwoman to be a disciple. You don't have to leap tall Bibles, I mean buildings, in a single bound to be a disciple. A disciple is a person who is committed to adopting the philosophy of another in terms of how they view life and how they live life. And when we talk about a disciple of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus is committed to follow and live out the principles and practices of Jesus in every aspect of their life. It's not perfection. It's being committed to the process of becoming all that God wants you. If you're committed to becoming the best you can in Jesus' name, you are a disciple. 
If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a disciple. And Jesus says, if you are a disciple, I command you to make disciples. Imperative mood, aorist tense, active voice simply means this. It's a command. And you know what I've learned about God? He doesn't command us to do anything we can't do. God does not command you to do anything that you can't do, even if it requires his divine help in order for you to do it. Now, Jesus says to those who are already disciples, I need you to make disciples. Now, for some of you, the word discipling, discipling is an intimidating word. So let me give you a a non-intimidating version. It's not a direct synonym, but it's close enough. Let's call it mentoring. Does it make you feel better when I say mentor somebody? Right? Because disciple, you'd be like, oh, I ain't no disciple. Okay, mentor somebody. Mentoring is a similar idea to discipleship in that we are trying to assist, help somebody, walk with somebody to help them get where God wants them to be. And here's the truth of the matter. All of you have probably mentored somebody in your life at one time or another. You just didn't mentor them for Jesus. Okay, y'all looking at me funny now. Let me go there. You've mentored them for your sorority. You recruited young ladies for your sorority. Brothers, you recruited brothers for your fraternity. Your fraternal organizations that you only recognize each other in the dark. You have recruited men and women for your fraternal organizations. You have recruited for your service groups. Those of you who have been in that life, you recruited gangsters and want to be gangsters. You recruited them to come into the life and then showed them how to live the life. Guess what you were doing? Discipling them in ungodliness. How many disciples for Jesus have you made? Listen to me, shame on you and shame on me if I have recruited and mentored more people for an ungodly organization than I have for the church of Jesus Christ. If you have moved more folk into your fraternity and your sorority than you have into the kingdom, guess what? You may think you have helped them in time, but they're still going to hell in eternity. I guess y'all know why I preach this again, huh? <laughs> Jesus says, I need you to make disciples for me. If I have changed your life, if I have brought value to your life in time and in eternity, why would you not share that with somebody else? Look at John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my 
teachings. You must put the work in and the sacrifice in in order to be the best disciple you can possibly be. Let me just put it like this. Lazy Christians don't make good disciples. Trifling saints don't make good disciples. You, you don't see your Bible until you get it out the car on Sunday coming into church and walk in with it perpetrating like you had it all week long. And then when you get out of church and you get back in your car, you put it right back in that same place and you can pick it back up when you come to church next Sunday. Man, man you, you got the Bible in print. You got the Bible, for those of you who want to go back, on cassette. You got, you got the Bible on CD. You have the Bible online. You have Bible apps. They'll read the Bible to you if you don't want to read it yourself. What's keeping you out of your word? Look at John 15, 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Now, here's the question. What is the fruit that is being talked about? First, the obvious one is the fruit of the Spirit. Many times in the Bible, fruit is talked about and expected, but watch this. We don't focus on fruit. We want to focus on the gifts of the Spirit. You know why we want to focus on the gifts of the Spirit? Because the gifts of the Spirit can unmistakably bring glory to me. The fruit of the Spirit brings glory to God. Okay, let me see if I can, I, I can help somebody. Um, I, I told you I was in a meeting last week, and um, the person kind of clowned me. At least I thought they did. And I was going to let them know that I'm not the one to be clowned. But I had been praying. Matter of fact, my wife told me the night before, she said, now make sure you pray, you know, when you go to this meeting, because I told her this meeting, it, it can be potential. She said, no, make sure you pray, right? Because sometimes I've learned you got to preemptively pray. Sometimes you got to learn how to preemptively forgive, right? And, and so, and so I'm, I'm there, and I, boy, I feel my flesh. Boy, I feel my flesh is coming, you know, and I'm like, mm, no, let me display. I got to display the fruit of the Spirit in here, because my flesh would have taken me and put me in the light. You, you follow me? Now, now watch this. Everybody in the room may not even know that was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> the folk who know me know it was the Holy Ghost, right? <laughs> but, but here's my point. I've got to produce the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit should be seen, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, right? Discipline. I, I've, got to, I've got to display the fruit of the spirit and, and God calls us to be fruit but not just in terms of the fruit of the spirit also fruitfulness in terms of the producing of new believers we, we should we should be bearing fruit we cannot be Christians who have been created for pleasure and look for pleasure and fail to participate in reproduction 
See, every person under the sound of my voice, y'all listen to me carefully, because this is, this is part of where we're going. This is our reset. Everybody in this church, somebody say everybody. Everybody in this church should be in at least two discipling relationships. Watch this. You should be in a relationship or group where you are being discipled. Where you are being fed. And then secondly, you should be in a group where you are the primary discipler or the primary feeder. Everybody should be in both kinds of groups. So when we start talking about discipleship, I expect you to be able to say, I'm in this group, or I am being mentored or discipled by this person, and I am discipling this group. Because watch this, if you've been a Christian one day, you got a one-day head start on folk that don't know Jesus. Listen, you can tell them like Paul told, told the saints, just follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Here's the second thing. I don't think I'm going to get through the third one. Let me get through the second one. You need to know what you must do to make disciples of Jesus Christ. You, you need to know what you must do to make disciples of Jesus Christ. How do you make disciples? It's right here in the text. He says, baptizing them, verse 19, the B part, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, for those of you who are grammarians, the imperative to make disciples, one word in the original language, is supported by two participles. It's by the participles that the imperative is met. The participles are baptizing and teaching. Look at A. Baptizing them focuses on bringing people to conversion or salvation. Evangelism. I need you to be honest with me right now. Please, please know I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. How many of you are comfortable right now leading somebody to Christ if they said they needed Jesus Christ in their life right now? How many of y'all are comfortable? Raise your hand. Now, if you can't raise your hand, I want to make sure you are comfortable. And if you lied and raise your hand because you want to pretend to be something that you're not, I want to make sure you're comfortable. I don't want you to have any question, any doubt. If somebody comes down this church aisle and they said, Pastor, I need Jesus Christ in my life, I should be able to point to anybody in here and say, come, come on up here and lead them to Christ. They need somebody to lead them to Christ. They need somebody to know that knows Jesus, show them how to know Jesus in their life. See, see, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that we have witnessing and sharing moments all the time, and we pass them by, not because the power of God is not present, but because we're not making ourselves available to be used by God. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit initiates them into the fellowship. But look at B. Teach 
them to obey. Teach them focuses on nurturing people to full maturity. And we call that edification. So when we talk about discipleship in this church, we're talking about evangelism and edification. Now, there are those who in the body of Christ separate evangelism from discipleship. I just showed you in the Bible that the two go together. When you make a disciple, you help people. Remember two kinds of people in the world, people who need Jesus and people who know. Listen, I'm going to keep on telling you that till I come by your house two o'clock in the morning and shake you and say, what kind, how many people in the world? I'm going to wake you up. How many people in the world? Two kinds of people, Pastor. Two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. People who need Jesus and people who know Jesus. If they need him, they need to know him. If they know him, they need to grow in him. That's discipleship. Helping people who need him know him. Helping people who know him grow in him. Now, here's, here's the problem with that teaching piece. When he says, teach them to observe all things. When I say teaching, you think classroom, right? So you automatically are thinking sitting, listening, writing. This idea of teaching in this context, the classroom is real life. Watch this. All of you have been discipled by somebody. Not necessarily for Jesus, but all of us have been discipled by somebody. And when you were discipled by that person, you know what you probably did? You started walking like them. Maybe you started talking like them. Maybe you started acting like them. When, when you face a situation, you say, man, I wonder how they would have responded to that. Let me see. Right? Um, I can't tell you how many times Pastor Lusk is one of the people who discipled me. And... And, and, and we, we, we didn't sit down with a whole lot of Bible lessons. It was just life on life. It was life on life. He let me walk with him and, and talk with him, and he shared with me, right, various principles. And even now there are times when I'm facing things, and I think to myself, man, I wonder how Pastor Lust will handle that. I wonder what Pastor Bailey would say. I think back to the people who poured into my life. The real classroom for discipleship is life. It's life on life to help somebody live like Jesus. That's what it is. Here's the third and final thing. We'll roll through this quick. You must show the signs that you are a disciple. How do we know that you are a disciple? How do we know that you're making disciples? A, disciples love God. Disciples love God. And the commitment to love God is seen in our willingness to obey God. Right? Because you can't say you love God and then practice disobeying God. Right? You got you to obey God. Uh, B, disciples love all people. Now, y'all, we, we don't struggle with A. A's pretty easy. We, yeah, I love God. I love the Lord. Part of the reason it's pretty easy is because we can't ask God to corroborate whether or not you really love him, you know. Like, all we can do is take your word for it, you know. 
You in church when I'm in church. You sing when I sing. You love God? Yes, sir, I love God. You love the Lord? Yes, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. But when we talk about disciples loving all people, that's a challenge, y'all. And it's really hard when you don't really love yourself because you can't give to somebody else what you haven't gotten yourself. (laughs) Pastor uh, Rose and I were talking about the role that counseling plays in discipleship. Um, That There are many who have discounted for years the importance of counseling, especially biblical counseling, in the discipleship process. But I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, until we find a sense of healing and wholeness in who we are in Jesus Christ, until we understand who we are in Christ and what Christ has called us to be and find resolution for some of the past hurts that have been inflicted upon us that we have perpetuated within ourselves, we will never be able to walk in the power that God has for us to walk in. Disciples love all people. Let me go to C. Disciples change the world by helping people change their lives through the power of God. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. Acts 17, 6, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authority shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Listen to me carefully. Disciples turn the world upside down by helping people turn their lives right side up through the power of God. Let me say it again. Some of y'all missed it. Disciples turn the world upside down by helping people turn their lives right side up through the power of God. That's when we turn the world upside down. We don't turn the world upside down by taking over governments. We turn the world upside down by the power of God turning somebody's individual life right side up. How do we do that? Look at your outlines real quick. Sharing the gospel by witnessing to others. And secondly, showing the gospel by serving others. Sharing the gospel by witnessing to others and showing the gospel by serving others. I, I want you to be so comfortable. I want you to be so comfortable that you, listen, I want you chomping at the bit to share the gospel with somebody. I want you to be like, you need Jesus? <laughs> what, what'd you say? You say you're struggling in life, your life is broken? You need Jesus. Let me me help you. Give your life to the Lord. No, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship. I'm going to help you know Jesus. See, See, disciples don't belittle people. Disciples don't criticize people. Disciples don't judge people. Disciples bless people. Disciples build people up. Disciples encourage people. Disciples inspire people. Disciples show kindness. Disciples love people. 
Disciples are patient. Disciples will pray. Disciples will witness to others and disciples will walk with others. My brothers and sisters, I want you to make a commitment today. If you don't want a disciple, mentor. I want you to, I want you to on, on your outline right now, I want you to start a list of people that you can mentor or disciple in the Lord. People who you know would benefit, listen carefully, to a godly philosophy of living. People who would benefit from learning how to hold their tongue and hold their peace and learn how to discipline themselves. People who would be better for knowing Jesus. And I told you before, and I'm going to close by telling you this. Some of you don't have to look outside of your house. Can I tell you something? I think the number one problem we have with our children today is not a rebellion problem. It's a discipleship problem. Because here's the truth. We ain't disciple them. Now, don't look at me like that. We ain't disciple them. We were not intentional in spending time with them imparting spiritual truths and helping them apply those spiritual truths to their lives so that they can move from childhood to adulthood with a God-given Jesus frame of reference. Okay, y'all, listen, I'm, I'm confessing. I didn't do it with my own children like I should have. We don't think about it. I'm, 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 I'm literally, my first group, I'm calling my children and all their friends. We're going to start meeting. In person, Zoom, however they want to do it. Because even in their 30s, they still need guidance on how to live in a godly way. And I'm not judging the decisions that they've made because God knows I've made enough of my own. But how can I help them finish the race strong? How can I pour into their lives? And, and listen, for those of you who, who maybe your children are... Have you discipled your grandchildren? Have you taught your grandchildren how to pray? Or do you not feel like you are spiritually qualified enough? Because that's what keeps us from making the disciples that God gives us an opportunity to make. We don't feel spiritually qualified enough. Am I the only one? Anybody else in here hasn't felt spiritually qualified enough to help somebody in their walk with God? Come on, raise your hand if you're not ashamed. I just didn't feel, I didn't feel, wait a minute, y'all. I didn't feel spiritual enough and I was a pastor. Y'all not hearing me. 
and Peter and John, somehow, like they are spiritual supermen. Instead of recognizing they were just normal men who were in contact with a supernatural God. I don't ever ask y'all to talk to anybody. What I mean by that is, you know, when you're in the church, they say, turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, oh, neighbor, you know, (laughs) oh, neighbor. I'm funny like that, y'all. I'm like, if I want to talk to him, I already did. I don't need to. (laughs) Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, oh, neighbor, oh, neighbor. (laughs) Let me just leave me and my neighbor alone. You know what I mean? Just. But today I'm going to break my rule. I want you to look at your neighbor. (laughs) And, And you ain't got to tell my old neighbor. You're just... Just, just tell them you are a disciple. Look at them, say, you are a disciple. And God wants you to disciple somebody else. Look, look the other way if you have to. Tell them you are a disciple. And God wants you to disciple somebody else. Now give the Lord a hand wherever you are. Father, we thank you and bless you for this day. We thank you because we know you have promised in your word that when we do what you have commanded us to do, you will be with us even to the end of the ages. That you bless when we obey. And I pray now, God, that we would bless, be blessed because of our obedience. God, help us today help the parents to recognize that they have a responsibility to disciple their children. Help the grandparents today to recognize they have a responsibility to disciple their grandchildren. Help the elders today recognize that they have a responsibility to disciple those who are younger in the family. And we are to do it in Jesus' name. Give us the courage and strength and help us to recognize, God, that it's not us, but it's you working through us that will help us to be all you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Making the main thing the only thing. Listen, can you imagine how would you judge a chocolate chip cookie factory if they never made chocolate chip cookies what would you think about an ice cream store that didn't have ice cream and never sold ice cream a soul food restaurant that had no soul food there's something wrong with that right well guess what if we are to be disciple makers for Jesus and we're not making disciples then we're not doing what God commanded us to do Because here's the interesting thing. 
None of the other stuff matters apart from making disciples. So if we're having choir annual days, but we're not making disciples, man, God don't care about no choir annual days. That's our stuff. We want to have anniversaries. That's not God's stuff. That's our stuff. If what we do does not result in us making disciples, helping people who need Jesus come to know him and helping people who know Jesus grow in him, then we shouldn't be doing it. It's just that simple. That's not only true for the church corporately, that's true for all of us who are followers of Jesus. If you are a Christ follower, your commitment should be to make disciples. And there's no such thing as being a worthy disciple. None of us are worthy. All of our righteousness, remember what we said earlier, is like filthy rags before the Lord. We disciple out of the grace of God. And if somebody says, well, how can you tell me? Because I'm testifying about what God has done in my life by the grace of God. I do not stand here right now because of who I am. I stand here right now because of the grace of God. I'm reminded constantly of my unworthiness. That's why I'm grateful to God. I don't stand because I'm worthy. I stand because of his grace and his mercy. Now listen, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your savior, click on the link that says, I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. If you want to unite with our church, say, I want to be a member of the church. We have people from all over the world who are uniting with us and a part of I Hope Church. And oh my God, I got to tell you, man, we've got some exciting news. We are working on our discipleship series. And man, if the Lord says the same, that discipleship series should start kicking off around the first of the year. And when I talk about the discipleship series, what I'm talking about is the content of our discipleship material. We've been working real hard with our staff to develop a pathway to help people move from immaturity to spiritual maturity. Now you can't time it. You can't say, okay, after 12 weeks, you're going to be spiritually uh, mature because discipleship, becoming a disciple of Jesus is a process and it's an ever growing and developing process. But we're going to get you on the right road. Man, I promise you, just stay with us. If you're looking for a church home, become part of the Good Hope Church, I Hope Church. We would love to have you as an e-member of our church. Now, if you want to worship the Lord in giving, there are six ways that you can worship the Lord in giving here at the Good Hope Church and I Hope Church specifically. And we ask you to give as God has blessed you and give as God leads you to give, remembering that God loves a cheerful giver. Tremendous things going on at our church. Man, I'm so excited. Um, of course, you know about our food pantry and the work that we're doing there. Our diversionary program, our work with the district attorney's office and the juvenile department of Harris County, helping young men and young women who have gotten in trouble and working with those families as well. Uh, we partner with organizations in our community like the Forge for Families, working with families and really doing some deep diving into some of the trauma and some of the issues that families have had generationally and reversing some of those things, changing the trajectory of those families by changing the lives 
of young people and some of their parents as well. Some great things going on. Our wellness center is about to kick off. So many things. And we're grateful to God that you're a partner with us in the kingdom building work. So give as God has blessed you and give as God leads you. Last but not least, remember God is doing something wonderful in you. And if you can't see it, step back. You know, sometimes you can't see it in the midst of the work, in the midst of the grind. Man, you lose sight of everything that's going on. You just fighting. You got your head down and you just plowing. You're just moving forward. Sometimes you got to stop and look back and see where the Lord has brought you from and how much progress you have made. God's doing something wonderful in you. God's doing something wonderful in me. Let's celebrate that as we get ready to go home. Till next time, God blesses my prayer.